to the New Vine Lakes podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Steve Troyer and that as you listen, your faith truly does come alive in Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 23 through to 26. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life uh, in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. My Father will honour the one who serves me. He's talking about the one who gives up their life for the sake of Jesus. Notice Jesus says uh, a, a seed, a kernel of wheat has to die first, has to be sown into the ground first before it can bear much fruit. And he recognised uh, that that was God's will for him. He had every reason actually to believe that um, or every reason to take up his throne at that time if he wanted to. Uh, not only were people uh, saying to Jesus, Jesus, I want to make you king now, like we can see that God is upon you. Uh, not only was uh, there a momentum beginning to build, uh, Jesus knew that, that there was every reason to take up the crown. Uh, the king at the time, King Herod, was ruling with a... Um, according to his own means. He wanted to gain for himself everything that was for himself. But instead, Jesus, rather than taking the crown right then, he knows it's time to actually sow the seed into the ground. He had every reason to actually take back the kingdom and to even say to the Pharisees that you, know, you don't have a platform anymore. You've ruled with a... You know, with a a kind of way that, that kind of brings people down to a place where they can't find the Lord themselves. He had every reason to do it. But he finds himself in a place where he says, God, it's not about me. It's not about my name. It's about yours. And, he, and so he's, so he's willing to sow himself into the ground, willing to cast himself down. I wonder for us whether we find ourselves in a place like Jesus where we say, actually, I could take a hold of all these things. There's every reason to go after things for my own namesake or to actually see a way forward or to hold on to certain things. But Jesus models something for us. He calls us into a lifestyle where we actually give away our rights, our namesake, our purposes, our plans, to lay it down and to say, God, I trust you. Now we're going to look at a story found in Genesis chapter 22 that is really a shadow of uh, what Jesus would do at the cross. Genesis chapter 22, and it's a story of Abraham. And uh, the title of this chapter is Abraham Tested. Uh, Abraham Tested. And this, this moment where Abraham had found himself, he had had faith in God. He'd seen God come through. Uh, and he had a son, according to promise. His son was Isaac. Uh, by this stage, as we get to chapter 22, Isaac is 
uh, now around the age of teenage years or thereabouts. So Abraham, if you could imagine, he's around about 110, uh, 115, 120, something like that. And, um, and so here he is with the promise in front of him, his son. Uh, I, I find it interesting uh, that at this point, God had given Abraham the promise, you are going to become a nation. You're going to be a nation that blesses other nations. You're going to have a land of your own. And here Abraham, he finds himself in a place where all of this promise lies in one person, in his son Isaac. And now God drops the bomb uh, with what he's going to, about to ask him. And in verse 2, we read, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Say what? Abraham, did you just hear God correctly? Like, are you saying, God, to take my son, my only son? You can imagine at that moment for Abraham, everything was being questioned as to Abraham, do you trust God? Will you obey God over the blessing of God? I think God actually asked it of us. Will we actually obey God? Will we count him, the one who brings the blessing, as more rich, more favourable, able to be trusted in the moment than the blessing that we've received? And there are many things that we could actually say, uh, God, you're asking me to lay this down on the altar. And I've titled this sermon, Lay It on the Altar. And uh, Abraham was being asked to lay the promise of God on the altar, the blessing of God on the altar. You know, for us, when it comes to laying things down on the altar, uh, it could be that he says to you and to me, I want you to be prepared to lay down my provision for you on the altar, that blessing that I've given you. I want you to be prepared to do that. Do you know, uh, when Jesus was ministering, um, a rich young ruler said, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere you go. Just tell me what I need to do. Jesus says, go sell everything you have and come follow me. What was he asking him to do? Lay it on the altar. Maybe it's uh, not provision. Maybe it's to do with your, your namesake. Maybe it's to do with your reputation. Uh, maybe it's to do with, uh, you know, even God's calling on your life and he's, he's giving you a bit of an indication as to where it is that he's calling you to. Or maybe there's a, a particular business role or an industry kind of initiative that he wants you to take a hold of. And uh, there comes a point where he says, are you willing to just lay this on the altar? And trust me, I was talking with Kate Warner. Uh, some of you guys know Kate. And um, she uh, was with us earlier this year before the the elections for the councillors for Lake Macquarie Council. And somebody had asked her to put her name down. And so she prayed about it. She sensed that God was in it. And she was saying to me, Steve, I recognise that I could go and promote myself uh, like the whole uh, political spirit to promote myself towards something. But I, I realised that God is saying to me that I need to trust Him, that He will actually promote me and that I'm not to go down that path. 
of promoting myself. You see, sometimes when we find ourselves in a space where we're like, yeah, God, I know exactly what you want me to do or I have a heart for this certain thing. We can find ourselves in self-promotion mode uh, where we're trying to, to actually get ahead or uh, control outcomes to, to see things uh, come a certain way. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. And she's now a counsellor. She's now in the Lake Macquarie Council and she didn't go out and advertise her name, but God did it. And maybe it's to do with your gifting. Maybe God's given you a gifting of sorts. And I know for me, at one point, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to start activating the gift of healing. I want you to start praying for people. And, and for the first 12 months, we saw, you know, after, you know, I was praying for anything that moved. Like uh, if, if it was breathing, I would pray for it, right? <laughs> if it wasn't breathing, I wasn't so sure if God could move there. But um, I know that God would call us into, you know, seeing people healed and set free and all that kind of thing. And we did. We saw people healed. We saw some things happen. And not just myself, there's others around me. Then all of a sudden, it, it's, uh, it's like the heavens just closed up. And for the next six months, I'm like, God, where are you? I'm praying for people, but no one's getting healed. And then for around about three months, I was just like, whenever anybody said, Steve, uh, I've got this need, um, you know, I've got pain in my body in this area. And I'm thinking, please don't ask me to pray for you because I don't have faith for it right now. But there's something about laying down your own reputation, laying down your pride, laying down the possibility of failure, laying down all those things and saying, God, it's about your name, not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's about what you can do. And so it's laying it down at the altar one more time. And so I got to the point where I was reading the Scriptures again and reading the Gospels. And I'm seeing uh, that Jesus heals the sick, everyone who came to Him. I became dissatisfied with the fact that I hadn't been seeing the healings, but Jesus did it. And so He's called me to it. So I'm going to keep on stepping in and praying, even though I'm not seeing the healings. And then about six months later, I started to see the healings again. Can I tell you, there might be a gifting that God's given you. And He's calling you just to lay down on the altar to say, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. It's about who He is. Maybe it's the gifting of prophecy or maybe the gifting of uh, generosity or the gifting of serving others. And you felt like, God, I don't know if I can give myself this way, but he's calling you to lay it down at the altar. Maybe it's to do with your marriage. Maybe you're in a space where you know that your marriage is not in a strong place as where it's been in the past and it's devitalized in some way. And you find yourself in a space where you're like, God, I could go after my own rights. I could, I could actually... Uh, you know, I have every reason to actually move on from this. I have every reason to say that it's not going to work. But God calls you to just lay it at the altar one more time and to trust Him with the outcomes and to do the thing He's called you to do, which was just to simply to love. And it's at that moment that God surprises you in those places where He begins to show you, I'm at work here. So Abraham, he's called to lay it down on the altar. I don't know what it is for you, what He's calling you to lay at the altar. But he calls us to lay those things, those strengths, those uh, dreams, those self-will, those things that, that uh, you know, your namesake is on, your reputation, all those things to lay it at the altar. You see, Abraham's reputation was on the line. The promise that he had told others, others had, other people had seen Isaac. They knew that God had done something here. It was a, a miracle that a 90-year-old and a 100-year-old had a, a child. It was a miracle. And here he was being called to lay it on the altar. So the very next morning, uh, he goes with haste. 
He goes towards the mountain that God calls him to. We get a little bit of an indication as to what his mindset was in this place. Hebrews uh, commentates on where Abraham was at at this time. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's just quickly have a look at that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith... Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Verse 19, Abraham reasoned, just say reasoned. That's a really important word. Well, what what did he reason? Had he seen somebody else raised from the dead? Not that we know of. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. From death, We go back to Genesis 22 and uh, you see Abraham reasoned. It wasn't reasoning according to raising from the dead. It was reasoning according to the promise of who God said he would become. Abraham You're going to be the father of a mighty nation. It's going to be a blessing to the nations. You're going to have a land of your own. In fact, what would come from this nation would be the saviour of the world. Abraham counted the promise, who God was in the promise, that he would hold up his end far greater than the promise that was in front of him. Isn't that amazing? So Abraham takes his son Isaac. He says, we're going on a road trip. We're going to go on a worship session together. And, uh, and on the way, Isaac says, Father, where is the, uh, the sacrifice? Where is the, the lamb that we would normally have? He says, God will provide. Tell the person next to you, God will provide. Say it a little bit louder to the person on your left or your right. <laughs> it's, important to, it's important to state because uh, Abraham was understanding God You are the one who provides in this matter. You've called me to do this and you wouldn't call me to do it if you couldn't provide. God will provide. And so he says to Isaac, don't worry about where it's coming from. God will provide. They get to the place of where they were to have this worship session. In their day, they would build an altar. On the altar, they would form it up for a fire and they would normally sacrifice a lamb or a ram or some kind of animal that was the best of the flock without blemish. And they would sacrifice that animal there to say, God, I'm giving you my best because I trust you. You are my provision. Even though uh, this is not for me, this is for you. I give you my best. And so he gets to the altar. He binds his son. I can't imagine this at this moment. And he lays his son on the altar and he's about to strike with his knife when an angel of the Lord appears. And we find in verse 12, the angel says, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. We've been talking about it at our life group. What does it mean to fear God? Here Abraham, he Uh, he actually illustrates it, it's obedience to the Lord. God, I fear you enough 
that it's about, I want to keep in step with you. And so God says, now I know that you fear the Lord. He brings the sacrifice now. He, Isaac uh, is taken off the altar. A ram is found in the thicket. And so they prepare the ram and they sacrifice the ram. Jesus knew all along, this is a shadow of. This is, this is a picture of what the heavenly father would do. I find it interesting that at the very beginning of Israel's story, at the very start, God modelled what he was going to finish with. He modelled it by becoming the provision for, the substitution for, uh, for us. We are the ones that should be on the altar. But instead, he puts his own son, his only son, the one whom he loves, the one whom the promise has been laid up in on the altar for us, hung on a cross for you and I. That just, that just boggles my mind that God would do that, that he would actually give his own son for us. It's, it's the perfect picture of where love meets justice where everything of what I deserve, God lays upon His Son for me and for you. And then He sacrifices His Son willingly. You see, when God asked Abraham to participate in this, He knew that this was an image of a shadow of what He would do one day, that He would actually lay up His only Son. This is not an accident. This is not a story that was just a... Oh, that's just uh, Abraham had a great idea one day or had a, a brain snap one day. No, God was showing what he would do in the bigger picture. Aren't you grateful that God sent his son to be your sacrifice? See, if we go back to John chapter 12, John chapter 12, and we read again, Jesus says of himself, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. He had in mind you. He knew that his sacrifice would be one that meant that you could have the spirit of the heavenly father in you, the spirit of Christ in you. This seed... uh, has this image of all the DNA for it to produce a crop is there. It just simply needs to be planted. It's in Jesus. All the DNA of God's Spirit is in Him, all ready to go so that you could also become a seed of the DNA of the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. And so He he actually willingly lays down all the promise, all the things, all the dreams, all the things that uh, he knew was said of him. You would be a king. You would rule uh, not just Israel, but remember the the kingdom of under David and Solomon, how all the other nations came. uh, uh, they, They became not so much subject to Israel, but they gave gifts to Israel. They, they recognised God is at work in this nation. There was peace in all of the uh, outer territory um, around Israel. This is the king that, that Israel was anticipating would come. And to their surprise, he lays down his life first. His disciples didn't expect it. 
They were expecting a king to reign, and which he will. But he laid all of those promises down for you and I. That we, that the blessing would come through the nation of Israel to this nation, to you and I. I don't know what nation you were born in, whether it's Australia or a nation outside of Australia, but he died for you, that you'd be blessed, that you'd come into the same promise. So what I want to do uh, in closing this morning is, uh, we're going to take communion in just a minute, but what I'd like to do is to just take a moment uh, for you to get a revelation of the cross. I'm going to read to you two scriptures, one found in John chapter 19. And what I want you to do is just to close your eyes and uh, to uh, take in what Jesus did for you. And to ask the Holy Spirit, would you give me a revelation of what, what the cost was for you? And that uh, you laid your, your life down for me. And I know that Jesus, that you call me into this same sacrificial lifestyle where you didn't ask me to, to actually die on the cross, but to lay everything down at, at the cross. And to say, Jesus, I, I'm willing to lay anything down before you and to follow you. And so we're going to read uh, John chapter 19, starting in verse 16. How about you just close your eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to touch you in this. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. But Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Verse 28, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine and vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him 
the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made the intercession and made intercession for the transgressors. Just take a moment to allow the Lord to just give you a revelation, a deeper revelation of the cross. Father God, we, we recognise that Jesus willingly laid down all of his rights, all the things that, uh, that were his comforts, all the things that a king might uh, have all, every right to take a hold of, and he laid it all down. Even at the garden the night before his arrest, he said, If there's any other way, Lord, let it be done. But not according to my will, let your will be done. And he was obedient even unto death. He was the one who was bound. He was the one who stood when no one else stood with him. He was the one who uh, received the blows across the head, who was, uh, whose motives was even questioned, who was rebuked for saying that he was a king, who was dressed in a mocking way as a king with a purple robe and a crown of thorns that was piercing his head. He was the one who was Uh, spat on and spoken down to and then stripped of everything and whipped across his back. He was the one who stood in our place willingly, knowing not one time did he raise his voice to contend with those who had accused him. Not once did he make a, a case for himself, nor did he feel like he needed to because he recognized that his kingdom 
the things that you called him to was in your hands. The promises that you had, he reckoned and reasoned to himself that the one who had given him the promise was able to raise him from the dead. Just as Abraham reasoned that the one who gave him the promises was able to raise his son Isaac from the dead. Jesus, we recognise that you gave your lifeblood for us. That everything was poured out on the cross. Nothing was left. You didn't uh, go to the space where you were almost dead and then uh, snuck away. You, you were uh, completely, all the life brought out of you, the last breath out of your body, the last drop of blood. And even as, uh, the, as the soldiers came to, to see whether each of those on the cross had um, died already, they found that you were dead already. They pierced your side and blood and water came out, an indication that uh, you had suffocated, that your body had um, no longer was no longer at work with the heart pumping. And so we, we just thank you, Jesus. You gave up yourself for us. Now this morning, Lord God, you call us to also to step in, just as baptism uh, has the same symbol of we are washed in the, in the water, we are laid under the surface of the water to say we have died with Christ. We lay down our rights. We lay down everything of our own self-will. We lay down our need to have our name uh, understood or uh, for people to, uh, yeah, to, to even like us or those, Lord God, who have, according to your name, will reject us. You said uh, that it's not about us, it's about you and that the one who is able to bring about the promise, the provision. We just declare the Lord will provide. We reason today that as we lay things down, as we lay down those dreams, as we lay down our needs, as we lay down our securities, that we we just claim you will provide. And so, Lord God, right now, would you lead us to know what our response is? what it is that you're calling us to lay down or to affirm again. Maybe we've laid something down in the past and there's a sense of which we're not really uh, at a place where we fully laid it down. You're calling us to lay it down again or to affirm that again. Perhaps there's even a sin in our lives, Lord God, that we find ourselves uh, just trying to control or even telling ourselves we have control over this. But in fact, you're calling us to lay it down and to lay it at the cross, knowing that the power to overcome comes through a seed that dies and is planted in the ground where you bring the life, where it's through your Spirit in us that brings the life. So Lord Jesus, would you come and lead us in this to lay down ourselves at the foot of the cross this morning. In Jesus' name. listening to this week's message. For more resources or to find out what's happening in the life of our church, head to newvinelakes.com.au or find us on social media.